0: Have you ever wondered to yourself if you should leave or quit something? Maybe you want to leave your job, or quit your degree, or do you even want to leave your own home? The thing is, we all leave things, often not knowing if it was the right decision or not. This podcast talks to people who have made the decision to leave, and each of them have their own unique story, both challenges and triumphs. Some left to try different things, others even return to where they originally left from. My name is Braden Green. And I left university to pursue my radio and podcasting dream. And this is Leavers. If you live in Adelaide and have listened to the radio for the last few years or have gone into a sporting event, either the Adelaide Oval, Cooper Stadium or the Adelaide Entertainment Centre, it's more than likely you've heard the voice of Jared Walsh. Jared had the job that every radio fan or sport nut dreamed of. Working at Nova Entertainment since 2004, Jared's vocals have hit many people across the nation, either as a radio announcer or an MC for the many sporting organisations that he represents. But like many, the impact of COVID-19 would change Jared's life forever. We pick up the story here on the Leavers podcast. Thanks for
1: talking to the Leavers podcast today, mate. I really appreciate it. Braden, thank you very much for having me. It's an honour. I've got to know you over the past couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, mate, of course, it's um, great to speak with you. Awesome, man. Let's get into it, man. So let's start where we always start, mate. Why'd you have to leave Nova? COVID. Um... we had a a really interesting uh, 2020 like everybody did. We at the start of the year when COVID hit um, we were told by our bosses at Nova Entertainment who's owned by um, the Murdoch group they said um, we're not going to have any job cuts while other radio stations and media companies were cutting people straight away um, they indicated to us that we're going to have a 10% pay decrease until September and that's how we're going to get through COVID. Um, Anybody who had an annual leave was instructed to take it. I had 90 days annual leave. So I took a lot of it then. Um, and then as the year progressed um, and things weren't getting better, I remember we had a, a video call because everything turned into video calls where our CEO, Kath O'Connor at the time said, um, over the next few weeks, we're going to have to make some redundancies. And we thought, okay, no worries. Some redundancies turned out to be 70. So 70 over five weeks. Um and basically what happens when you do that is you become the general manager in your mind. You start looking at people kind of like the Hunger Games and going, okay, so I'm more employable than you. Um, no, I've got more to offer. I'm definitely, no, you're going to stay. I'm not going to stay. And then uh, I got to week one where on the Friday they announced who's leaving. Week two, Friday they announced who's leaving. Um, and then I got to the last week and I was one of the casualties. So let's go. let's go through that. So mm. what was it like? In the halls
0: of Nova at the time, because this is this is as you're saying, it's man eat man world, yep. almost a little bit. But these people are also your friends. And while we can understand that there's a lot of redundancies being made around many industries, what was it like for the media? I mean, we've always seen the media as a strong company, a bit volatile, admitted, mm. but it, it, it's a rare situation. So what 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 was what was it like in that environment at that time?
1: The The sad thing about it is that it was a very familiar feeling because there were always redundancies in the media. There were always sudden job losses. There were always people that one day they were hired and the next day they were gone. I've I've had conversations before when a boss said to me, hey, mate, I've just got to go tell someone that they've been made redundant. I'll have this meeting in a second. And then I questioned it, and then the response was, "Wait, are you are you the assistant program director as what well as I was at the time?" And they said, "Yep, yeah, well, start fucking acting like it." Part of my language, I'm not really sorry. Um, so basically, it just became familiar. There there was a fear amongst the people that were working in the media, and there's a continual fear of be grateful you've got a job. One day you won't. And then you chewed up and spat out pretty quickly, to be honest with you. Now, for me, it wasn't very quickly because I was at Nova Entertainment for 16 years. Um, But still, that fear every day of, I wonder if I'll have my job this time next year, that is a natural feeling. So looking around the hallways, yeah, there were people that lost their jobs. But what happens is the next day, everyone just gets on with it. And I think we, we probably didn't enough take a step back and go, we're just like everybody else. Working in the media is seen as a privileged job, and it's a, seen as an aspirational job. But we're no different from everybody else. Like, there were people that started cafes and businesses in 2020 that would have put all their life savings into. They would have remortgaged their properties, and that all turned to shit, and probably didn't get to open them. So uh, yeah. we're just a we're just a drop in the ocean. Is that a healthy environment to be in, though, in the first place? Do you think? No. Not at all. No. And one of the things that um, I learned through that whole process is that specifically, I can only talk about Nova Entertainment because I was only there, our leaders weren't equipped to handle those situations. Things like the way that meetings were structured. So on a Friday, when we had a staff meeting, when they would announce that someone was made redundant, the first part of that meeting, they would say, um, here's all the information this person um, has been made redundant. The next week it was, this person's made redundant, here's all the other, let's go around the grounds and see how your week's gone. You've got to remember that it's like, it's like someone being told that, uh, I know this is a dramatic example, but someone being told you have cancer, You, you basically need to then go, And process all of that information and then probably get told that information again because your mind just switches off. So one of the leaders actually said to us, hey, I'm going to wait until the end of this meeting to to tell you who's been made redundant because I know you're not going to listen to me otherwise if I tell it at the start. And I'm thinking, these are people's lives that you are playing with. But again, it's a reflection of, I think, the panic and people not being equipped to handle a crisis and to treat people like human beings in that process. Don't worry about the around the grounds meeting. Just say, here's the sad news. We'll let you go away and process it. We are here if you need to chat. That stuff didn't happen. That's terrifying. Mm.
0: That, that really is absolutely shocking in that situation. Yeah. Do you wish you were in the boss's situation? Do you wish you were the one telling? Would you just prepare your workmates? I
1: mean, what? What's going through your mind? What, are you saying to yourself, "This should be done better. This should be yeah. done better." Everything's done better in hindsight. So I'm not <laughs> saying that I'd be able to handle it better, but in saying that to to try and empathise with how people are dealing with a redundancy, there's there's a saying of it's it's never a personal decision. It's always a business decision. Sometimes it's easy just to be able to go, "Here's the decision. Um, let's talk about it." Yeah, but you need to be prepared as a leader to be hated for a while, you need to be prepared to have the tough conversation and to deal with the repercussions. But as long as you handle yourself in the most respectful way possible, then there's nothing else that you can control. So in my redundancy meeting, my leaders didn't handle it well because during that time, I think it's important to have empathy and to have respect for the person. But the leader that was telling me my news told me, you don't know how hard this is for me. That was the turning point of my redundancy meeting because then I said, hold on, this is not about you right now. This is about me. You've still got your job. You're telling me. And the, the phrase I said to him was that you are a leader for this reason to have these tough conversations. Yeah. That's up to you to do that. And that's a pretty rare position that you have that power to tell someone. Are you proud of that? Uh, I'm really proud of how I handled it. Definitely, I was building up to it because I was. I think I'm. Um, I always think about the worst case scenario. But for me, I've I've had the pleasure of seeing lots of people leave the business I was at in the industry um, the wrong way. Yeah, and that is raising their middle finger to the building, go out and publicly bag the company that I was working for. And Adelaide's too small, so for me, it's how you actually handle your exit that defines you and the legacy that you want to leave. And I think that um if you do it the wrong way then people will know because the question is what is this person like to work with well the last memory i had of them was that they handled their exit really poorly and they abused us so they're probably not like that yeah. um so I'm, I'm definitely proud of how i handled it were you tempted though
0: were you tempted just to go you know what this is the middle finger this is the other middle finger and i am out the way you've i've been here for that long now yeah and then you treat me like this and say yeah i mean was it a temptation at any point?
1: Uh, I had moments of grief in a way, but I think on reflection, Braden, I'm, I'm grateful that it happened because it was a decision that I would have never been courageous enough to make. So the point, um, it's almost been 12 months where I'm at in my life now. I couldn't be happier. And the things that I've learned about myself um, has, has probably taught me that this was supposed to happen and to challenge me. I'm very much a comfort zone person. And then looking at it, the things that have happened in my life since then have been really um, enjoyable experiences. So um, to take that leap of faith, the fact that I was pushed to take that leap of faith. um, Yeah, there, there are moments where I would go if I had my time to actually look in the eyes of some of the leaders that treated me pretty poorly. I would like to see these things. However, I want them to learn it's funny, I don't want to give them the satisfaction of me telling them how poorly they led. I want them to learn that in any way possible. I'm not going to give them that privilege.
0: Wow, that, that is like a real testament to you, man, seriously. The power that you have, the way you're able to see things. So it makes me kind of sad to ask this next question, but how's your family's reaction, mate? So we've we've, we've seen the highs, and the, but I'm guessing at some point there would have been a loan. You talk about going through that, that small little grief period. Yeah. How hard was it to tell your wife and even your daughter at the time, man.
1: Um Uh, Well, my mum, I was worried about because mum will always go, what are you going to do for a job next? What are you going to do? Um, My wife was really supportive, but I was also really concerned about how she really felt because she needed to be my support. So she needed to be strong for me. Um, So that was a a bit of a concern because I would normally say, are you okay? Is everything okay? Is everything okay? So while she was worrying about me, I was worrying about her. One of the greatest things in the world about having children is my daughter doesn't care. (laughs) My job is to be her father. So I could sit down and say to her, hey, I was made redundant today um, and I'm not obviously going to have probably buy you as many toys as I do next month. But then she'd look at me and say, Daddy, can you put YouTube on the TV? So that is <laughs> such a nice leveler though. It actually really centers you because you go, no matter what I do, my job is to be a father. So my daughter doesn't care. And I love that about her. And I just love the little things of having that childlike mentality to go, this is what's important. I was I was actually standing on the beach last Friday night with my wife. It was freezing cold. Uh, I had one kid strapped to me and the other one was running around. And I looked and I'm like... If I was working at the job I was working at, I wouldn't be able to have this moment right now. And I could be in any job in the world, but if it took away from the moment that I shared with my family, I wouldn't want that job. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a, a, an attitudinal thing, as they say. So, in a bit of a strange way, having that family has helped you through this period. Definitely.
0: How do you think it would have gone if you didn't have a family?
1: Uh yeah, I think it would have been pretty tough. I, I, My wife has been so supportive of myself. We moved to Melbourne in 2008 for 11 months before we got shipped back. We had our wedding booked in Melbourne and everything. And then the, she's followed me around for work. Um, and she's extremely talented at what she does. She's an interior designer and she's amazing. And I've always wanted her to pursue her career and not I've never wanted my wife's identity to be my wife or just a mother. I want her to create her own identity and be proud of that. So she sacrificed a lot um, of travel and things like that. Without a family, I probably wouldn't have that strong support network and I would feel quite isolated and alone. And when I get caught up in my own thoughts and I'm alone like that, yeah, it's not a nice place to be because I suffer anxiety. I feel like moments that I, that I do have elements of depression. Um, So to, to be by myself and to get lost in my own thoughts, it's a pretty it's a pretty lonely place. So to, that's why I'm so um, assertive in being honest with people, just to say this is how I'm feeling. You can deal with that however you like, but this is how I'm dealing with it.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's really interesting, man. How you dive into that and how you're able to deal with your family mm. and really put them into the situation. You mentioned your mother there. Mm. You've got a very strong relationship with your mother. Yeah. Let's go through that moment. Like, is it is it a bit of nerves going straight into it? Is like, is it a big deep breath or is it just a straight out there sort of thing? Uh, like, I've been made
1: redundant or is it like a, I've been made redundant? Uh, it was – I was building up to that moment with her as well because we had that five weeks. It allowed me to probably process with mum to go, okay, so this is potentially what's going to happen. Now, it's almost like a if and when scenario. So, we'll go, if I am made redundant – this is the amount of annual leave and long service I have, which means then I will have this amount of time to find another job. So I'd actually broken it down to help her process that. But no matter what, like the thing I've, I've learned about my mum, and I probably didn't have as close a relationship with my mum until my parents separated. My dad left our family at uh, 21. So my mum from that day and I became best mates. And it's been the most amazing thing in the world. But the thing I love about this is that no matter how old I am or where I'm at in my life, my mum is still my mum. So, our our ages move on together. So, she always will still, I'll still be just her son, no matter our age. So, she she worries and she'll be concerned. But again, to see almost 12 months on the pride that she has of how I've handled it, um, I think it's a... I think it's a good thing, and everybody handles the situations differently. Like everybody really does. Like Rosie Panetta, who was um, one of the casualties of the redundancies as well. I one of the first things I said to her is, "Go have a kid. Just go have a kid with your husband, because you'll realise what life's all about then." And I'm I'm so focused on because I was fortunate enough to, prior to the redundancy, spend a lot of time on learning my value. And you know this because I've spoken to you about this, but. Yeah. To do that, I really encourage people to learn their value because doing that, it it changes your mindset to go, my job is not who I am. It's something that I do. And that is such a huge difference in the way that you see things. It doesn't change how you apply yourself. doesn't change your passion or your motivation, but it separates your identity from the work that you do from who you are. And they, they can intertwine, of course. So
0: on that, so you know your value very well. You know your values, you know your moral. It's clear that you have a stronger knowledge of that than what I think most people would, to be honest. Mm. And you keep talking about how your family and your mum and everything. It's up to you if you want to answer this
1: question. You can ask me anything. But do you wish
0: you had a better relationship with your father... in that situation. So it can help you. There's almost like another point
1: of view. I think, I think I found myself when my dad left as well, because I, I was forced to become the man of the house. I've got an older sister who wasn't living at home at the time she was living with her partner. So I needed to kind of take care of mum, and I started doing things for myself. So my dad uh, was a sports broadcaster and he uh, left the family uh, to, to be with another person. So we found out, um, And from that, I started to make decisions. Initially, it was I wanted to not associate myself with my dad's name when it came to radio. Um, But eventually, I started doing everything myself. So everything that I've done in my career and life from being 21 of – done myself which I'm really proud of and it's the same as in my parenting what I lacked in a uh, relationship with my dad I'm making sure that I go overload with the relationship with my kids <laughs> so there's one of those things where it's it's like I see the redundancy as a really pivotal moment in my life because I was working every day I was working on the weekends I really saw my family and, and to take a step back from it that was like my dad um I was coming home from work exhausted, just going straight to bed. I wasn't as connected as I should have been with my wife. So if that journey kept on going and you don't know what you don't know, potentially that my wife and I could have gone, we're not connected, we're separating. Therefore, my second child isn't born. Yeah, That scares me. Or I go, I'm too focused on work. I'm actually too distracted from the things that really matter. And there's my life like that. So I think – Those things happen for a reason. The relationship with my dad, there's moments where I'm like, it'd be good to speak to someone about it. But because I've been doing it by myself for 16 years, 17 years, um, I'm quite content to go that um, I've I've got a good support network around me. So, I mean, after all this, I mean, I think it's what is clear then
0: really is that, you were more terrified of really losing your family than your job. And I think there's yeah. such an important value system to, and, and you, and you do that when you walk around, it is clear that your values are strong enough to get you through that, you know, because we, mm. we get lost in that. I think there's a, there's a, a balance of power really of what controls our lives and you've been able to manage that very well and because you do absolutely saturate yourself with like the sporting work and mm. everything i mean it it is hard for me to name teams harder for me to name teams that you're not involved in, <laughs> in Adelaide than yeah. to ones and so on that um how much did it help being a sport mc during this time when you made redundant so you've got that work as well you've mm. got the family support but you've actually got hey, at least I can still go to an Adelaide United game, you know, and yeah, I still do a yeah. thing of love, or I still got a Port game, a Thunderbirds game, whatever
1: it is. Yeah. Um, so what, what I, through that whole process and journey, I at numerous times said to my wife, I would love to be able to just uh, work in sport and work hosting Radio and I had a, an interesting relationship because I didn't really ever want to be on radio, and then it got to a point where the whole journey of radio and the way that workday radio is structured now, you can't really get personality out in a 12-second talk break. So I was there just operating an autopilot, and I worked on the sports show on 5AA, which was enjoyable, but to a point. So the fact that I could just focus on doing sports MCing, but also escalate that because not not having to be at the hindmarsh square building from seven in the morning till seven at night it actually allowed me to have more purposeful conversations and time so now i'm not just emceeing for the sports teams i'm working with them every week on fan engagement so and this is one of the things my wife was really good in helping me when i did a a skills audit going i'm actually really good at helping create something for engagement i work as you said i work for every team in south australia apart from the crows and three national teams so I see a lot of ways to do fan engagement. So I sit with them and I consult with them now and go, this will work. This didn't work here. And for me, no matter if there's a significant uh, wage difference, which there is, um, I'm passionate about it. And I feel like I've got more purpose. So all of a sudden leading up to the redundancy, your fears are okay. um, Constant wage, which is everybody needs to think about that. If you've got bills to pay and finances and mortgage and stuff like that. Um, Identity, Am I going to wake up and go, who am I? These these things have never happened since I've lost my job. I've not once really? gone, I'm worried about money. And there's, as I said, significantly less, but it's money that I'm happy about getting. I haven't once woken up and gone, geez, I really miss radio. I miss certain parts of it, but I haven't been depressed about it. So it's actually the the positives that have come out of it, that, that it's almost like the lead up to leaving is more stressful than the leaving itself. <laughs>
0: I guess it's because – would it be because of that mindset, you know what I mean? And then you're continuing in that bubble yeah. of getting stuck. Is it a bit like that? Is that I think so. But
1: that? you also – when you've been doing something like for so long, you always think, well, I don't know anything else. But then I go out for dinner with my mate who's a lawyer, the other one who's a plumber. And they go, well, what if I hurt my back tomorrow and I can't be a plumber anymore? What do I do? Or my law friend goes, what if I don't want to do law anymore? everybody's exactly the same, but we always compare our lives to other people and go, oh, you've got it good or you've got it good. Yeah, they might go to me, you work in the media, it's cool. You get to meet some awesome people and work at sport. That's awesome. But then I go, well, you know what? I'm one bad ratings away from being unemployed. You have a job for the rest of your life if you want. But then they say, well, what if I injure my back? I don't have a job for the rest of my life. It just goes round and round and round. We just have to stop comparing ourselves to other people. And I I think
0: a part of that, is it fair to say that Every job has its fears, you know, as you were saying with the plumber, with the lawyer, then like everyone has those troubles. But I think it's, would it be fair to say that the public view the media personalities Mm -hmm. such as your, your breakfast host and stuff like that when they lose their job? there's not as much care sometimes because are no. like, you're on a good pay packet, you know, who cares? And it's and it's funny that that pay packet really de- determines how much we care. I mean, we've recently seen the um, Naomi Osaka thing yep. with the horrible, she's basically not doing press conferences at the French Open. She's worried about our mental health. But there's still a part of it that say, you're on that much money, you know, who cares? I mean, to you, is that wrong? Is it wrong that we determine people's feelings, their mental health, mm-hmm. just by their pay packet? I think that's... I personally think that's crazy, but I'd love to hear it from you. I totally agree.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think I think we live in a society where, through social media, through uh, magazines, tabloid stuff, where people almost get a little bit of excitement out of people with high profile going through struggles and tragedy, because it it actually connects them. Even more to those people because they go, oh, they're just like me. Oh, wait a sec, they've broken up with their partner. or oh, they've lost their job. or oh, they're looking. They've had a photo where they've got a you know bad skin complexion. So the the idea that is created about people who earn more money than other industries, um, you're right. Like we're we're fixated on that, but we also link money to success. And I'm very much like a person that goes, it depends how you value success and measure it because you might go well you know what at at Nova myself and the receptionist so I was working on breakfast radio and I'm at the top of the top of the ladder right there the receptionist down the bottom well you know what I'm the one without the job yeah the receptionist still has their job so I mean who really is successful there so ultimately it's I think it's again the the perception of it is seeing other people. And yeah, we, we put people up on pedestals, but no matter how much money you earn, and I'm talking about Elon Musk, he still goes home and will go through so many, stre- probably more stresses than we go through. He's probably busier than us. He wouldn't be able to go to the beach at five o'clock at night like with his family yeah. um, without getting a phone call or something. So it, that shouldn't define how we go with our mental health. And Naomi Osaka is a perfect example. Everyone's pissed off with her because she's made a stand and gone... I'm not right. I don't want to do media. The people are getting pissed off of the media because they're the ones that go, wait a sec, my livelihood depends on you doing something wrong, so then I can write about it and have my relevance. We're just so selfish in that regard.
0: It, it's, a, it's a crazy power balance in that. Again. Yeah, it is. I mean- when I look a lot of this into redundancies and our jobs, and we've been talking about people who've left, they've left like homes, they've left their their marriages mm. and stuff like that, and it always it seems to always come back to power balance, and it, it's it's a really interesting thing. Yeah, and tell you what, mate, one of the most powerful things I've seen is your YouTube video after you got made redundant. Yeah, I, I, I watched, I rewatched it before coming into interview, mate, and I still think there's a few things that are clear through. it It's a powerful piece because so, you're so clear how much you love your family, mm. and two how much you put into that job. I mean, we talk about, look, there's definitely some negative things that have said Mm. into the job, but you put your heart and soul into it. And I think you've put that into each of your jobs. So it's a real credit to you. Um, Would you change anything of that video, though? Because no. I know you know you were saying like I'm just going to press record
1: and go. Yeah, but yeah. if you
0: if you did it again, would you say anything different? What would it, or is it just nah?
1: No, exactly I wouldn't because I. So the backstory to that video was I uh, that was literally just before I had my exit meeting. So I was about to go on a, a Zoom call with um, the boss at the time in the HR department that would finalise my redundancy, and then everybody would know. So I was made redundant on a Friday. I messaged everyone that I needed to, but I actually thought. Um, I'm going to have a bit of a power play here and I'm going to control the message. Because normally what happens when people lose their jobs, they come out and say oh, I'm retiring or I'm going to focus on other things. And that's not me and that's not real. So just beforehand, I sat down and I press record and my focus was goes oh, I'm not going to I'm not going to edit this. I'm just going to do it. So I didn't plan to break down crying or anything. It just happened. And then a couple of days later I came actually back in here to this studio with um, my mates Andy and Matt and I it spoke to them and you could hear my voice like I was beyond like close to tears the whole time. However, um, I did that for a reason. So then when I went to that meeting, I said to the boss and to the HR person, "Uh, can I tell people, can I tell people now? They're like, "I would prefer if you did it after this meeting. As soon as the meeting finished, I pressed go. (laughs) So I controlled the message. But again, this is how I wanted to do it. Now it went, for some reason, it just got picked up everywhere, right? Like Daily Mail had it and they went through my whole Instagram. So my, my wife's as well, putting it up there. But that was real. And how I noticed that is that I had so many people get in touch with me from um, radio people, from people from different industries, some AFL players that I'd never met before, just said, "Hey mate, I saw your video. Thank you for like being courageous enough to be yourself." So that I don't regret anything because that was unplanned. Apart from the planned part of doing a video, I didn't think about what I was going to say. I just pressed go because that was a moment where I thought this is me right now. So in 12 like in 12 months from that video in September this year maybe I'll record another one and go this is what I did this is where I'm at now. So to to show that it's okay um what happens after you made redundant and the things I've learned about it. So yeah. um I put myself out there with that kind of stuff and I think I've got a really good balance of the content that I create some of it is your standard, here's your Instagram photos and videos and stuff. But the other stuff is, this is actually me being a human being. So, I, I, never, I never try to hide away from that. And I think that's
0: what comes partly into it. You're, you're very genuine. And mm. not a lot of people can say that. Right? You know, I, I really rate genuine like, people as some of the best people that are out there. Because mm. you know what you're getting, you know. And I guess on that, with that redundancy. So, you, you, the final part was on Zoom, was it? Yeah, it was on, on Zoom, yeah. The, does that make you angry? Well, let's. I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, you've been here for a long time. I mean, yeah. there's COVID around, but like seriously, we're going to do it over Zoom. We're not um, going to do it person to person like a genuine person would do. Uh, no, nah,
1: I'd probably prefer it because I had Ooh. I had um my wife sitting next to me off camera. I had someone on speakerphone listening in who was um like an employment lawyer, so they were all there. Yep. But the ability to just go see you later was was awesome. Um, because <laughs> I knew because you get the email saying yeah, you've got a meeting, bring a support person. So I knew then what was going to happen. So to have that meeting and prepare for it, I had all of my notes there. Um, So therefore, they they didn't really need to pick up on body language. I think I had my pajama pants on. (laughs) So again, there's a lot of control that I had there. And when I took control of the meeting after the boss said uh, how hard it is for them, that was when I became powerful. And that's when I thought, no, this is my time to shine here. I traditionally haven't handled meetings well prior to that if there's been conflict. Now, I haven't yelled or anything but what I'd normally do is react, get emotional, walk away, come back, have the meeting again. So, to go, I need to make sure this is the best meeting that I have had and handle it the best way possible and that's great. There's only one person that I haven't spoken to that I used to work with and that's the, the boss that made the meeting about himself. Yeah. Everyone else has got in touch from the CEO right down to, to like former colleagues saying you handled yourself perfectly and I'm like, that, that's all I wanted to do
0: yeah and exactly and I think that's the biggest credit to you out of all this and it yeah. goes back to that bit like you wanted to leave the business mm. in the right way I think about it so it's, it's really valuable yeah. for people that are trying to learn this thank you alright so we've, we've been through a bit of the lows and a bit of the highs so what was the first big goal for you after you've been remade do you get stuck into projects? Do you go, right, I'm going to go to the Adelaide United game and I hope we absolutely thrash Western Sydney or whoever it is? Yeah. Is it like that? Or did you go, I mean, because you're now doing speaking workshops, which we'll get into a little bit at the end. So what is it? What's the first thing you're like, is it is it family? What What is it? I need to, do you need to do 100% or is it like, you know what? I just need to sit and relax.
1: Yeah, it was difficult. So the first, the first month I processed what had happened. And that was the hardest part was getting out of routine. So I'd still get up and go to the gym first thing in the morning and keep moving around. Um, so getting out of that routine. But I also knew that I needed to get out of my routine. So the that was uh, September, October was just processing it. The next month was actually having a bit of me time playing PlayStation, um, having the time off that I'd earned and having permission to do it. Like My wife never put any pressure on me to not do that. Um, and then we got to December, January, and that was my when my daughter was born. So that was amazing that I was present for all of that and I didn't have to go back to work. But then by the time I got to probably March, April, that was when I was like, okay, cool. I need to um, focus on what makes me happy. The sports stuff was really good because there, was, um, there were some moments that happened that it just were beautiful moments and it realized the impact that I've had on some people. So um, Adelaide United, one of their sales guys said, hey, let's go have a drink. So I went to Pirate Life and I opened the door and the whole staff from Adelaide United were there. All of oh, wow. them were just there. Seriously? All of them. That's and amazing. just to have a drink with me just to go, we love you, mate. Port Adelaide Football Club... Um, uh, one of their fans who works on a podcast yelled out to me when I was walking to um, Adelaide Oval and said, "Mate, we we got you, we we got you back." And I thought I, was, I started crying because Port that week said, "Bring your family to the footy." Remember, no one was going to the footy then. There was about two no, thousand people wasn't. there, so we're going to treat your family. They gave me a, a Travis boat, game worn Guernsey and said, "We know how much this means to you." So it's like. These things are happening because of the way that I've carried myself and been kind to other people. And again, it's going, fuck, like I feel valued by these people and this is the stuff that I want. I want to have good relationships with people and connect with people. So um – and then I started thinking, okay, um, what am I going to do next? And it wasn't a, out of fear. I have a bit of time to think about that because I was at NOVA for so long. But I was speaking to one of the counsellors that was assigned to us um, once we left. Who initially I thought was a NOVA employee. And they said, you know, I'm not an NOVA employee. I said, great, let's start the meeting again. Here's everyone who's a fuckwit. <laughs> so it was a long list. Um, and so then but the, she said, I can tell Jared, you just want to give back to people and help them. And that was when I thought, okay, I'm going to help people and give them opportunities and invest. And that is with communicating and people like yourself, there's, I think there's a barrier between people that aren't in the media and people that want to get in the media. The media oh, is very much like a, a who you know industry, yeah. but I want to help people get to the point where they can go, I know everything I need to know. Therefore, if you don't employ me, it's your loss. A hundred percent, man. I could not agree with you yeah. anymore.
0: All right, man. We, we've gone through a lot, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to the last bit now. We'll yeah. do some quick-fire ones. So just before, let's. I want to quickly talk about this speak good mm. that you've done, because I'm proud to say that I was part of the first class. And just quickly on that, thank you for so much for hosting that. It, for anyone listening out there, it doesn't just help you to become a better communicator in presentations. It's one-on-one stuff. It's people with your family. It, it's so many things. And the other thing it does, my contact book has times by four, yeah. and that is just amazing for uni students alone and not just uni students i should say that everyone so that is massive as well so there's a real community feel about it mm. how much are you loving that right now
1: yeah i loved it i i felt so it's a two-week workshop um and then I'm, I'm tailoring it to some businesses as well but to be honest with you and i can say this now because the workshop that you were part of is complete the the first day after the first half of the workshop i was really depressed really? I, I couldn't get out of bed on that thursday because i had what we spoke about imposter syndrome and i was like Like, I don't know if I'm connecting with anybody. And I felt the depression that I expected to feel when I lost my job and never happened. So that was the lowest I felt in a very long time on that Thursday. And it was really scary. Um, And then some feedback started to come through. And I'm like, okay, cool. There's two nice things, but what about the shit ones? Um, And I was really doubting myself. And I think the best thing I did was tell you guys the following week like, how nervous I felt, and because how am I supposed to tell you guys not to be nervous when I'm actually getting nervous? So yeah. the the workshop was um, designed to help people, and the most the most challenging thing I thought was I wanted to make sure people knew that they weren't going to go and learn microphone techniques. Yeah. I wanted I wanted people to to learn. I'm just going to help you develop all the skills that you need before you get to the microphone, because the microphone is the easy part ultimately. Exactly. Um, so the way that you structure a sentence together, like helping you get the confidence to do it. So that was a tick. The other tick was I was really nervous that people were coming who just wanted to get into radio. There was probably two to three people that did. The rest was from, and you'd see so many different industries. Yeah. Like we had a CEO from one of the biggest sporting clubs to a guy who works in air conditioning. Yeah, and I exactly. loved that. And the end was something that I could only have dreamed of. And, like, I, th- and I think that made it better going to add
0: having all those different people for, because we all just learnt off each other. And-
1: I think so, yeah. And to have the – at the end of the workshop, that was one of the most powerful moments of my life, to be honest, to and it just naturally happened. Everything about the workshop was natural. Um, so, to see what happened and the power of the end of the workshop, which I hoped would have happened but not to that extent, was just incredible. And the other part was – People feeling comfortable enough to give me feedback. So I put a, a survey out and everybody just gave feedback on it. And I wanted an invited positive and constructive feedback. Yeah. And that's great because I need to evolve with the people. Like I say in the workshop that. Like, so so to actually evolve with it, um, it it was amazing. And I'm going to do another workshop, but at at this point I'm not I'm not planning for it right now because I want the people that were part of it. To feel connected. And you can yeah. see it's about creating that community like I've done on Facebook. We're all we're all together in this. And my idea is continually putting people into that community to go, you we're all on the same level here. Let's just let's just grow together. And that's the,
0: the beauty of it, really. Mm. I really do. All right, mate. A few quick fire ones to end. Yeah, cool.
1: <laughs> what was your favorite day on radio? Uh, my favorite day on radio. Um, Oh, man. There was a... Okay, on Talkback Radio, there was a girl named Fiona who rang up the sports show and farted accidentally. (laughs) I remember this episode. (laughs) I was Um, in the car that day. I lost my shit. Um... Uh, I There were moments of working on Breakfast Radio in 2019 which I enjoyed and it was um, probably the moments where one of my co-hosts weren't there because I got to actually show my personality and not pander to them. But the days on radio where I got feedback going, that was awesome because you were yourself, was, was really nice. But also making people's days, like hearing the genuine happiness in people to go, I'm just calling up to talk to someone, you've made my day. I go, that's what we're there for. We're yeah. there to give people an escape and to make their day. Nice. Who was the best person to work with
0: on air, like together? With it? Was, it, was it another host? Was it, was it uh, someone out the back? Who was your, did you have a favorite person? To
1: work with? Uh, I had a couple of favorite people. I worked with um, Andy, who actually runs OzCast Network. And it's great to say you can work with a friend because we, we shared so much together throughout the day. So when we had bad days, we could connect with other people. So there's only probably three or four people that I speak to now who worked at Nova. And that's fine because yep. you understand that you're – Sometimes the four walls of your building define your relationship, but to have a friendship outside of that uh, and a really supportive one was really good on the air. I work with some really talented people, and I work with some real assholes. So um, there's yeah, it's it's probably more so when you're on air. You can operate one of two ways. You can just do your shift and go home or you can immerse yourself with the staff. And I immersed myself with the staff and got to know each and every one of them. And I actually did a podcast at Nova called Getting to Know You where (laughs) I got the salesperson in and interviewed him, And I sent it around the group just to go, tell us about yourself. What makes you tick? And to connect with them on that level was really good. That's good, man. That's really nice
0: to hear. Um, Got a couple more. Yep. So, is there too much of a negative stigma around quitting leaving or being forced to leave.
1: Uh someone once told me and his name's Scott Baker Smith, he works in Melbourne now. He said everything is an opportunity. Nice. That's and that's a really point nice point. way of looking at things. Um the lead up to the moment is the scariest thing, I think, because you make it work. You just make it work and sometimes you could stumble onto the next best thing and the most purposeful thing in your life. So Life's really short as well, mate, and we we don't realise how lucky we are in Adelaide, in Australia, to be doing what we're doing, living where we are, in the environment that we do have. So, yes, you're right. There is a negative stigma attached to it, but it's how you handle the leaving, yeah, which shows
0: your impact. And on that, do you think people are too stubborn to leave? Sometimes, like they just—it's their stubbornness that are stopping them from opening that door of opportunity. Sometimes,
1: yeah, but also like. You can you can be stubborn, but you can be comfortable. I was comfortable. I was an autopilot. Yeah. Um, uh, you can be scared. Um and I guess there's there's lots of different motives for doing it because sometimes you need that. You know, in our workshop we needed one person to stand up and speak in front of the group before everyone else did. Yeah. Who's yeah. that one person gonna do it? Yeah. And that that, and that point it, it just it opens so many doors for yeah. everyone. And
0: that's really beautiful. Yeah. And one last one, mate, bit of fun. You had to pick one team to be the
1: MC for. Can't mm. be anyone else. Who's it going to be? It's
0: like picking uh, your kids, I think. Okay, no,
1: no, no, no. So I've got an answer for this. So my answer would be the 36ers. Or oh, the 36ers. I had my money on Adelaide United. Now, I'm going to tell you why. Because. I, if Port Adelaide make the grand final, I wouldn't be MCing it because it would be at the MCG. True, that, that does – and as a Port, man, I can tell you that hurts. I've emceed <laughs> an Adelaide United final, which we won, and my voice broke. I've done a Strikers <laughs> final. They won on my birthday, and Peter Siddle ran out and gave me a signed shirt. I haven't done a 36ers champ- – I've been there for a championship but haven't done one, and I know the crowd would be absolutely nuts. So just to tick that one off, and the Thunderbirds <laughs> would be nice as well, but yeah. That's awesome, mate. I, I love
0: that. And there is a genuine passion for sport, which is why you're my favorite sporting MC. So in the end, thanks for talking on the Leavers podcast, mate. I just wanted to let you know you are literally an idol of mine just because the way you operate, the way you're able to capture the fans of radio and sport, I honestly don't think can be matched by anyone. Thank you for having me in your workshop. Thank you for coming to a podcast. And I really hope we can continue these conversations, man, and keep growing together because it it really is something I'm proud of that I've done and proud of that I'll keep continuing to work on and if I can be anything like you in that sense in sense, I mean I, I understand that I can't be you you don't want that imposter syndrome but if I can take some of those qualities with me I know I'll be able to build my career as well as you have and I'm so excited to do it so again thanks mate thank you truly and Good luck on your next chapter, mate. People want to find you. Where should they go? Instagram, isn't it? Crime, Crime Stoppers. Cross- oh, no, <laughs> a- <laughs>
1: um, Yeah, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all that other stuff. JaredWalsh.com.au. But I um, no, appreciate it, mate. Thank you.
0: Thanks, mate. Have a good one.
1: An astonishing story, Jared's is. It's simply amazing to me that he was able
0: to take the power of being made redundant and put it into a positive. He took the power while being made redundant, actually being told that he had lost his job, and took it and went, no, 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 this is not about you. And I think what this really speaks to me is that you should really get to know your own value, know your skills, really just do, like... Presentation to yourself, write some things down. If you're listening to this and you don't know what your skills are, we'll learn them. This is the perfect opportunity to do so. And once you learn that, you've got a lot of power. You may not think you have any power, but you have a lot of power within yourself and the power to show people what you can do. So know your skills, know your values, know what you really love in life, and it's really hard to go wrong. And one last tip be genuine. So a lot of things to learn there, but great story to listen to thank you for listening to this episode of the leavers podcast we'll see you next time
1: this was a smashed gnome production